my name is Lorraine Satole and as you know, I'm a huge lover of books and all things literary for our toddlers as well as youth and tweenies and today I am not disappointing. I am bringing you The Haunted Library, a new Anansi mystery from uh, Buntle Sinne who is no stranger to writing for our young ones and also the celebrated um, illustrator Mukhau Gigana. They are both here. Hi guys, how are you doing today? Hello, very well. Hello, Ren. Better for seeing your beautiful face today. I've missed you. <laughs> Thank you so so much. Before we we get into into the book, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Mukhau as well as um, as well as Bunte. Bunte writes stories for nine to eighteen year olds, which is fantastic. We get a lot of books for toddlers and very little on 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 the tweenies. So I'm very very excited that that is the route she has taken over the past couple of years. One of her chapter books, A Monster at Midnight, was shortlisted for the 2014 Golden Baobab for African Children's Literature. And her books are available in major bookstores here in South Africa, as well as online. Joining us is Mukhau Gekana, who went and did the lovely, lovely illustrations. Mukhau, when I picked this up, I got vibes of Betty and Veronica. I mean, I came of age when the Archie series was a huge, huge thing. And when I okay. saw this cover, I was like, oh my God, you are taking me back. You are taking me back. Welcome Very guys. Nice. And congratulations as well. This is such a beautiful, beautiful story. And it is not only for eight to 18 year olds. I, I have a young son who has been reading it over the past couple of days. And I tell you, Buntle, the way he was laughing, I was, my heart just felt, felt so full. So a little bit about the story. When twin sisters Garabo and Sipe overhear some workers complaining about strange going-ons at the construction site from where the new library is being built, Garabo is determined to find out more. Along with their friend Bandile and his trained police dog Zuko, they sneak into the building to investigate, but they soon stumble upon a much greater adventure than they had anticipated. With dancing ghosts, dangerous quests, and one very strange magical creature, will Sipe be able to save her sister when Garabo, as usual, lands herself in big trouble? And what will happen when the five friends uncover the truth about the haunted library? This is a fun, easy to read adventure for middle graders and especially second language speakers. And as I said, not only middle graders, young toddlers, grade R, grade one, grade two, who can read for themselves will love, love this book. Now, Buntle, we're coming to you this Anansi mystery is such a delicious, delicious book. And as I said, my son enjoyed it very much. I was also chuckling along while I was reading. Can you share a little bit with our viewers what the book is about and what was the motivation behind it? 
Uh, well, I'm so happy that it was uh, funny because I never think of myself as a really funny person or, or a very funny author. So th this is this is good feedback. Thank you. Um, the Haunted Library was really inspired uh, by wanting to write something that was, you know, you know, I love mythology, you know, I love African mythology. Um, Anansi is an Akan trickster spirit from West Africa who I had always wanted to write about in the Shadow Chaser series, but it just sort of never fitted in with the story. And so I really jumped at the opportunity to find a story for him um, and to find a story also that would put, again, um, Black children in a contemporary setting where they got to have uh, an adventure. And this one, I think, was so much more fun than anything I've ever written because it really is kind of silly almost and that's representing the character of Anansi the, the spider as well who is a trickster god and who likes to uh have fun so there is a lot of kind of crazy surreal stuff and I had a lot of had a lot of fun with that wow I mean one can actually tell from the way the story starts right up until the end and I'm so glad this is a a, a a mystery which means you know the story continues I I can actually tell that there is book two coming out very very soon I cannot wait to see what the girls and and Zuko as well as Bandile get up to now how I am I am coming to you I mean writing writing a story is 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 very very different from um illustrating it what what was Bondi's brief to you i mean you have like the most radical radical images in this book um so i, I you know for the most part um i feel like i had you know like quite a bit of freedom in terms of like how the characters um look so what i was trying to do you know for the characters was to make them look as, as um not necessarily real but as relatable as possible um i wanted to create characters that kind of looked like you know like the kids that i would see every day you know back home um so for me it was it was you know for the most part i was just kind of like trying to capture the um 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 the aesthetic of of how black kids look because I, I i feel like you know previously just in terms of like illustrations and images and whatever um you know like black characters are not necessarily um portrayed in a way that i feel like is you know relatable to myself um so for the most part when i go into you know creating artwork i try to you know um, um create characters that i would kind of recognize and I that's basically what I was trying to go for um like I said there's a lot of freedom but like that's that's what I was trying to do with the with the characters that we have for the book thank you so much and I mean they they are not only representative and and relatable they are also you know as I said you know the cover just took me back to when I was a young girl growing up in the townships and reading Veronica and, and, and Betty as well as Archie. And it just brought me, it just took me back way back home. And it was such a fantastic, fantastic read. Now, um, Buntle, coming back to you, I mean, you explore 
so many, so many themes here. You know, you, we not only see the siblings, Karabo, as well as Sipe, you know, trying to, 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 to get to the bottom of this mystery. You also explore friendships and the way the youth relates to to animals as 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 well, and also their huge um, sense of of adventure. Why was it important for you to add a little bit of magicality to to this story? Well, you know, I think African children are really lucky in the sense that so much of their heritage, so many of the stories they hear from grandmothers, from aunties, etc., are always have kind of a supernatural element to it, right? Even our daily newspapers looking at the sun or whatever, there's always some <laughs> interesting story about a ghost haunting someone or, you know, yeah. rocks falling on someone's house. And I love that stuff, right? I really love um, how in, in a sense, in our culture and our collective consciousness, there's always this mix of the supernatural, of mystery, of unexplained things, alongside very normal everyday themes, which is why, you know, Sipe and Karabo, they live in a township, um, you know, they're dealing with, with issues of construction workers and tenders and, you know, politicians and, and whatever, right? Like all of those things are happening alongside magic. And I think that's very relatable to how many kids are growing up in South Africa. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, Mahao, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Um, yeah, man. I mean, like, I, I basically just, uh, I, I think also um, one of the other important things is I feel like the environments in which we come from, um, I think, I think j j just, just in terms of like, what I tried to do with like images in general is, is you know, like I said, um, I tried to kind of like create, you know, environments and characters that are relatable. Because um, I feel like, you know, when, when, when people read or they kind of like, you know, intake content, whether it be like on on on, on media or basically anywhere else, um, when you see yourself in 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 places where you don't normally see yourself it it, it kind of opens up like um you know like like an array of, of possibilities in your brain and so when you see you know people like yourself in certain stories that you kind of like look up to it it, it uh it really kind of changes the, the the you know like the narrative of of, of stories and also kind of like representation i kind of think of it as if you think of like disney and like all the folklore you know stories of like like all the princesses and and, and all these fairy tales um it's basically kind of like what Buntle has done um but they've kind of like taken those stories and and, and they put you know like characters that all of these kids can kind of relate to and there's like a whole culture around it right now i feel like every every kind because i'm in the animation industry and i feel like every kind of um nation has its own style um it's it's it's, its own um, um visual style and um storytelling style so i mean you have like the you know the asian style which is basically anime you have um the american which is basically marvel and dc and then you have um, um you know like the european which is basically like illumination and stuff like that so and and and, and i feel like there's like right now there's like an opportunity to kind of create a space where 
can create a style of storytelling and like visual development that is from, you know, Africa. And I feel like, you know, for the most part, that's what I am trying to do with each and every project that I'm taking. And, and I thought like this was a good opportunity to kind of like, you know, explore that. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's basically what I could mm -hmm. add on to what 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 yeah. people were saying. Yeah. No, and and you are so right. You know, I mean, you just mentioned that you know there there's an opportunity to create new styles of bringing yeah. stories to, especially to to the youth who, you know, we really want them to to get into the the habit of yeah. reading as a as a lifelong story and the way the haunted library is presented. You know, it is so different. I mean, Buntle, you use. Um, idioms in a very very different different ways you know you 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 the story has no cliches as well i mean with fantasy stories especially for young ones you know there is always that um we expect happily ever after or the dragon is slayed or something like that the ending is always almost predictable but you brought in the, the 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 idioms and you use them in a in a very very different way you know you gave them a twist that was that i found very very refreshing i think that is what my son was laughing at you know when flying pigs now floated lazily over the rooftops and and because he is so young you know he really he he is not at a stage where he understands the the use of cliche let's talk about you know um the writing the writing process of the story and how all these cliches and idioms were placed just right in the story you know, I think it was reflective of what I was doing at the time, um, professionally and personally, because at the time I was working on a really big, my, my day job is in corporate and I was working on a really big deal, um, which was like six days a week kind of work. So I was really tired um, and I have ADHD and it was really <laughs> quite out of control at the time. So I was really struggling to like focus, to concentrate, to get things done. And sort of, it was um, also, you know, in the middle of, well, I suppose we're still in the middle of coronavirus, so I won't say in the middle of, but you know, it was it was in the, in between kind of travel bans. So I quickly like snuck off to South Africa to go visit my mom. And she kept on being like, no, go right, go right, go right. Because, you know, I had a deadline. Mm. And I just found myself being so like, oh, I don't want to write. I don't want to do this. My brain wants to go and watch TV or, you know, do something else. And so I had to make it fun for myself, right? I had to make it amusing. And so things like, you know, okay, pigs flying and crying over spilled milk and whatever, <laughs> all of these things sort of came to my mind and I kind of was just trying to explore them and trying to think about like, what would make this entertaining enough for my brain to want to do it basically, right? And all these kind of in-jokes as well, which, you know, there's, there's, I won't ruin any of the story, but there's a point at which some of the characters are dancing the Macarena, which, if you are an adult, you yeah, get it because you kind of, you know, the, the, you know, you're sort of, you're going, oh my god, this is the video from the Macarena, and this character is now wearing the clothes of the Ma like, what is happening? But if you're a child, they're just doing a fun dance, right? And so yeah. that, the double layers of all of that, like, there's a story for the kids because it's entertaining and whatever, but for the adults or for older children, there's also kind of an amusement that this thing that they do understand is coming out in a very different way. So. I really just, I believe that, you know, reading, of course, we know is important, 
we know that nothing better influences the academic and educational progression of children more than reading at any age. Mm. But I also, you know, I'm always very passionate about this. Reading is not medicine, right? You shouldn't be doing it because it's good for you. You should be doing it because it's fun. Yeah. Because you love mm. the story and because yeah. you can't put it down. And you should be the kid who's like under the covers trying to read by, you know, I guess now phone camera lights or whatever it is. That, that is yeah. what we should be trying to get kids to be. And that's that's always at the heart of, of writing for me. And this was even more so because I also wanted to be that kid again who was yeah. so desperate to read this story and so desperate to write the story that, you know, I don't want to do anything else. Wow. No, that's, that, that is so, so spot on. Now, um, how in light um, of what Bunke has said, um, Let's go back to to the images. I mean, there is there is a scene in 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 the story where um, where Karabo and Sipe, you know, they come across these very huge giant 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 people, as well as um, as well as animals. Now, in your reimagination of um, of these characters. What what were you going for? Because you also um, I don't know whether there was an element of 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 being realistic when it came to 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 translating those characters into into images. Um, because I mean, like these are kind of like fictional. I feel like you know there was like a lot of uh, imagination that had to go into it. So I remember I remember having to go basically find a couple of images that, that I could find of like um, um, different characters. And so what I did was I just kind of combined, it was like, a, what is that? that uh, um, it was like a Frankenstein of characters. Basically. <laughs> I took a bunch of characters and then I kind of combined um, um, different elements of, of, of how they look uh, to create, I guess, like a new type of character. Um, so yeah. In terms of in terms of visuals, there was there was you know a little bit of like my own interpretation, um, a little bit of taking here and there um, from from other visuals that that, that I got inspired by to kind of you know like put it together. Um, but at the same time, I know that it's also important to kind of create um, like images that are also like capturing. So. I was I, like I, I was just kind of hoping that whatever it is that I that I created was was um was captivating enough to I don't know um um, um kind of like push the imagination of, of whoever was reading it. Mm. No, yeah. it was um totally totally capturing, and I mean when Langa read the story in 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 over a couple of days, um also because he's young. And I, I don't want him to get tired of, of reading. And as Buntle has said, you, you know, reading should also be fun, should also be a fun thing that a child wants to do. So he, while he was reading this over, I think he read it over, over se seven days because he reads, I think, 10, 12 pages a day. He would come back and, you know, ask me a couple of questions about things that really to his seven-year-old mind did not did not make um, did not make sense. And Bunke, I want to bring you in in this because um, you know we spoke a lot about because to him 
you know, those um, the idioms that 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 threaded the story. Um, they had to make sense, and to his young mind, they really did not did not make sense. Now, how important is it that our stories also um, are educational to 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 the to the to the readership? I mean, if they're accidentally, you know, <laughs> educational, I'm all for that. But you know, I, I, if I reflect on kind of the stories that I like to read, and also even like the TV that I like to watch, you know. Uh, you know, Yo TV or KTV or whatever was uh, was the thing several several decades ago. Um, I, I think I was always trying to get information, and children's brains are always kind of a sponge, right? So whatever content there is in whatever form it is, they're getting some information from it, whether it's visual, whether it's literary. It's always kind of this experience of learning almost um, accidentally, right? Like you're, you're learning just through exposure. And so I'm always interested in that kind of educational writing because I think the minute you try to put a moral in it, so you try to put like something that's serious or kind of overworked in that way, like kids can see that and it's not exciting for them, right? Like that's the sort of thing that immediately kind of turns them off. <laughs> like, oh no, I, I can see what this is. This is the English teacher saying I should read this, this is mommy and daddy saying, yeah, it's good for you. So as much as I want kids to learn about things, I want them to learn through a process of curiosity, not curriculum, right? I want them to learn because their imagination is taking them to places and now they're going, hey, what what does that mean? Do pigs fly? Is that is that a thing? And then, you know, kind yeah. of it and figure out or have a, ask a question or whatever. Like it's supposed to stimulate imagination, debate, questions, curiosity, but not in a boring way. <laughs> not in a boring way. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's exactly that. Not not in a in a boring way at all. Now um Mohao, um I see that it says you are completing and must a master's degree in 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 um in art in in Paris and um, how how is that been like um, yeah the environment it's, it's, how different is it if ever how different is it from from here it's very different um, <laughs> it's different in the, like a lot of ways um, for like in the educational side of things I feel like it is basically you know like the best place for, for me to kind of like improve or or kind of like hone my skill in this 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 industry that I wanna that I wanna be in. Um, you know, one of the coolest things is that what they have here is instead of having you know like like they don't have full time lecturers. Um, what they have is is um is people from the industry like people who are actually working at like you know like the major top studios like like you know Disney, Pixar, um, and all of these other animation studios to come in for however long that that they need to come in, maybe like a month or two, um, to kind of like teach on 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 whatever um, um, I don't know, like department that, that they need to teach in, and then they they kind of leave. So we basically learn from you know people who are kind of like spearheading the industry forward. Um, which is which is really cool. Like it's 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 a really good opportunity to also, um, you know, come in contact with. I don't know. It's just it, it, it's it's so bizarre. Like 
<laughs> like people you've looked up to your whole life. Um, yeah. you know, you're literally just like sitting next to them and they're, you know, like giving you advice about like how to, I don't know, draw a leg or something. I don't know. It's, 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 it's so cool. I love it. Um, the only thing though, of course, I don't know, like, like, uh, my, my French is not that good. So <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's, it's, it's a bit of a problem, but it's, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing too hectic. Um, how is it different from home? I don't know, man. It's Europe. It's different it, from home. Isn't, isn't it snowing on you right now? Right now? No, not yet. Not yet. And, and you oh. know what? Last year, <laughs> last year I was so traumatized by the cold because I was like, this is, this is like, how do you people live like this? This is horrible. Um, but this year, like, I think I am both mentally and physically prepared for, you know, this winter. Because last year it really got me. Like I was, I was, uh, I was, it was unexpected. It's all in the clothing but, I have learned. It's, it's right. Because right? <laughs> we don't make clothes. We don't need clothes. Yeah. Like Once you yeah, have yeah. And, and the thermals and the layers and whatnot, everything's yes. fine. It's, yes, it's interesting yes. you're talking about, um, you know, the model that that is used in your course actually, because it really made me think: how incredible would it be if we could not even just for master students, but even for undergrads have that same model for how we teach literature, for how we teach literacy, for how we teach education, where it would be, you know, the best teachers coming in to teach you, or the, you know, storytellers from the village coming in to talk yeah. about how they tell stories. Yeah. Like this would be such an interesting model if we could figure out a way to bring more practical and industry kind of education yeah. and knowledge, even to how we think about, you know, literature. That would be so exciting, I think, and give so many more people who have so much to offer but not the acad, you know, not the PhD to go behind it. Yeah. The opportunity yeah. to also engage in educating the next generation of creators in South Africa and Africa. Yeah, definitely. I, th I, I think it also kind of adds, like, I don't know, because these people are also practitioners within the industry. <clears throat> um, they kind of give you like really practical, you know, like knowledge as to how to navigate the space as well, because. What I've realized sometimes is that, um, you know, yes, it is like, you know, in the in the kind of arts um, um, outside of things, but there's also like like a whole business out of it that that yeah. that, that people need to understand. Um, and so when you're with people who have been doing this for like for like two decades, um, you really kind of get to understand how to kind of like um, situate yourself um, according to whatever outcome that you would like for yourself, you know, in, in the future. Um, you get to know how to kind of situate yourself. You get a better understanding of what to expect, you know, from the industry. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just really practical. And, 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 and I think you're right in saying that it would be much more useful if we got um, like practitioners to, you know, to go to like institutions to actually, you know, impart, impart their knowledge. It is, it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool think, man. Uh, yeah. As a mix also, right? Because, you know, I'm not, I'm not slating academics in any way. My sister's uh, in the academic field herself at the moment. So, yeah. you know, I, I absolutely believe in, in the contribution of people who are really seriously looking at the scholarship and this literature. I think mm -hmm. you really need a, a mix of both, right? So, you know, you both. Yeah. In UCT, but UKZN hit us up. We're available. I think that would be really, really fun uh, also. And, you know, the interesting thing about this business part of it is, sorry, 
fantastic. I'm always interested because people are always asking me like, how do you get published? And I'm like, I have no idea. Because in a weird way, like I haven't actually learned the industry of publishing because, you know, I, I wasn't joking when I was saying, oh, Lorraine, it's nice to see you, da, da, da. Because publishing is so small in South Africa that you kind of know all the people. And children's literature is even smaller than that. You kind of know everybody yeah. you've seen at this event and yep. you've whatever. And so even, you know, how I got published and whatever was through not knowing people because, you know, they were my uncles, whoever, whoever, but just because I kept on seeing them all the time. I kept mm -hmm. on making these jokes. They were like, oh, maybe you could write these jokes. And I was like, oh, I am actually a writer. So I, I don't know if I know enough about the, the business side of publishing and of writing novels and how to make a career out of that. It's, it's a really interesting one for me because even when people, you know, you're asking like, what, what brief did I give? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm the writer. I don't know anyone <laughs> brief about me there, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I am just one step in this value chain, this supply chain. And yeah. that's the yeah. thing, I guess, people want to imagine that writing and publishing is so romantic and it's all like, you know, my creative process. But like, it really is a, a collaboration between so many different people because it is a business, because it is an industry. And I think we, I'm sure that there, I mean, I know that there are publishing degrees out there that I'm sure teach this, but it'd be really interesting, I think, also to teach the other people who are involved in the process, the editors, the writers, the illustrators, yeah. also about the business of publishing. Mm. Mm. This is true because because I I I, I feel like um, sometimes like you you don't really know how to um, navigate a space if you don't know what you want to be within that space right because um, for instance okay cool so within the art environment obviously it's like you know you have to be really good like technically you have to know how to draw paint all these things um, but then like you kind of neglect you know all the other things that that go into like an animation project. You need, you need like people who can do environments. You obviously need writers. Um, you need like a producer who's gonna go out there and actually sell the project. Um, you need a director, you need, there's like all these different components that make up the whole thing. You know, it's like a whole ecosystem that, 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 that kind of operates like that. And so, um, the more you know about the space, you kind of uh, uh, um, like you kind of see more opportunities for yourself. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, like like it's it's just it's you know it's yet another opportunity to kind of like you know bridge the gap between between that and you know like people who who don't know and are interested and would like to know. And yeah, I, and yeah it's, it's it's just one of those things that that, that are, we need to kind of like think about. You know, in future, in terms of like education and and uh, the practical practical world of the industry. Now, Ubuntu, as a leader of digital transformation, and Mohao has just spoken about, you know, the animation process and all the components that go into into digitizing images. What what would that look like if that is? something that you were to think around um, bringing to, to, to the continent, to the youth, just as a, as a skills development, what, what would that look like from someone who has fast experience in, in, in digital, digital spaces? 
Well, you know, I think the point Michal makes about being able to find yourself within the industry is really important, right? Because there are so many different, I mean, digital is a very broad church of, of data. Even the work that Michal does technically is digital, right? And it is, it is digital work. So I think what is most important is creating that awareness of what it even means, right? Because I think we say things imagining that people understand like this is what an editor does this is what a graphic designer does this is what a ux designer does but people don't i mean i didn't know what those things meant in high school for example right and this is i think is one of the the biggest things is that i went to a school which was like a good school but it was not a fancy school right it was not a it was not the kind of school let's say where uct came and did presentations and whatnot right so um i it was very much sort of like, let me guess and see which thing I want to study because, you know, teachers sort of said, yeah, you're smart, you should go study accounting, right? But there wasn't really an understanding of what that even meant. Like, what does a chartered accountant even do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And I think that the same is true for digital careers as well, is that if we can invest a little bit more time in creating forums and spaces to get kids in high school at the beginning of high school, by the way, not the end, because when you're in matric, it's too late to say, oh, you need to do maths yeah. and science in order to go do this. Like, it's too late then. But at the beginning of high school, to talk to them about these sort of things, I think is really important. And it's something which I did um, when I was at McKinsey. I organized a couple of career days with some people who worked at McKinsey because uh, people had really varied backgrounds, right? It was like, this person had been an actress, this person had been a poet, this person had been an engineer, this person had been a scientist, and they just kind of happened to go into consulting, right? And yeah. so being able to go to um, to the township and go to libraries and do talks um, at schools about like, hey, this is what a chemical engineer does every day. And this is what a, you know, a software developer does every day. Does this sound like something that would be fun for you in a way that's kind of accessible and easy to understand? I think that would make a huge difference for skills development, right? Because there are opportunities that are available. There are scholarships, there is funding, there is whatever, but it's really hard to get that stuff if you don't even know what it is, that yeah. it's interesting, that you could be good at it. There's no exposure to it. And that's the challenge. Mm. Uh, Mohao, you studied multi multimedia at UJ. How how did yeah. you get to know about it as a as a degree and most importantly as a viable career? <laughs> I mean, look, I I I didn't know it was a viable career to start off with. Um, all I know from high school was that I am gonna do something, you know, within the arts, because you know. I, I, I guess I should mention that like I went to like an art school, like in high school, I went to the National School of the Arts in Bramfontein. So, so that kind of like, uh, kind of like started, you know, the whole thing for me because, you know, our teachers there could kind of, you know, they, they, they had like certain connections within, um, like, like there was definitely like more, I guess, like information that I could get, you know, re regarding the industry because like some of our, our, our teachers used to be like, you know graphic designers or they just used to be practitioners right and so that is is, is is most probably why i kind of you know had the idea that i could do it um but like i didn't actually know anyone who i actually looked up to because most of the time for instance if, if you wanted to become like a musician or whatever there's a ton of musicians out there that you can look up to and that you would one day like to work with um but 
I don't feel like there was such a thing, especially within like the the the, the, the digital space, because I feel like animation is like a very young industry in South Africa. It's still like growing. I think only right now it's kind of like gaining momentum and it's, you know, we, we, we're starting to get like more projects, you know, more international projects, you know, Netflix and, and, and like all these other projects. Um, but yeah, like previously, I did not know. I just, it, it felt like going into a dark room and, and hoping that, that I, I, I grab onto something useful. Um, but I think the key thing within that was, I was always, like, I always thought to myself that it kind of doesn't matter what I choose to do. If I just um, try to be really, really good at that thing, then then there's like no other way for me to to, to like train in. Mm. So I guess the only thing that I tried to do when I was you know still studying was 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 to just try to be the best at it because normally people who are really good at what they do normally succeed at at the thing. And so yeah. It's, I just, <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting for me because like I didn't even know the National School of the Arts was a thing that existed until I was like mm-hmm. university, right? And people, you know, you don't really realize like how big the world is because if you know when you're a child, your world is really only as big as the people you know when you're immediate vicinity. And mm-hmm. this is always something which I really struggle with about you know people saying they want to be writers because you know let's not let's not be facetious about it right being a writer in South Africa for very few people is a full-time job because yeah. it mm-hmm. just is not you know when you talked about viability there was a bit of a knowing smile for me because you know <laughs> really difficult to to have a viable career in publishing and literature and literacy um in in our country and on our continent and I'm always really torn because you know when I went to go study it wasn't even an option for me to study literature realistically right because I needed to get a bursary to go study a degree. They don't give very many bursaries in literature and in English, yeah. um, at least not at the undergrad level. And so for me, it wasn't even it wasn't even an option to be a writer, right? I really genuinely thought this is something which you know rich people get to go and do, but I have responsibilities. I've got a family, right? Like I want to look after my mom one day. I, this is a factory. Yeah. And so I think there's also something about um, educating people that it's not an all or nothing kind of thing. You know what I mean? You want to be an illustrator. You don't have to just be a comic book illustrator and only do that. You know what I mean? Like you can also do graphic design. You can also, like there's other things you can do. And similarly, if you want to be a writer, you don't have to be a full-time writer. Fantastic if you get to do that. But some people actually enjoy getting to review or be journalists or be academics or like me, have a job that's completely outside of that and still get to be a writer that is possible it is difficult, but it certainly is possible to keep that hustle going. And I think there is something that's very valuable also in making people aware of the fact that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to give up your dreams or go broke and just go like, yes, I'm going to do that. Right. Because I didn't have the confidence of Macau, to be honest, at that age to be like, I'm going to go be the best. I was like, I'm going to do it and maybe people won't hate it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I I think it wasn't necessarily confidence. It was just like one of those things where it's like, I am good at this one thing, and so for me, like like okay, I'm 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 good at it, and I feel like if I try to do something else, I'm gonna fail dismally because first of all, 
I don't like doing other things. So I was like, this thing that I like doing, there has to be something that I find. I don't know. There has to be something out there. Like there has to be a space for it um, that I can like create like my whole life around it. So for me, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a do or die thing. Cause like I would do this even if I wasn't being paid for it. Like I feel like I would be willing to, I mean, of course, I don't want to be like this, but I, I would be like one of those struggling artists. Um, hope, like, like, you know, luckily, I'm not, luckily, no, 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 I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, like I said, I would never want this to happen, but I feel like if I had to do this for free, I would actually do it because it is the only thing that I feel like I'm good at and that I can just do over and over and over again until, yeah. until the end. Yeah. I'm just thankful that, that that you know like everything is kind of like working out the way it is um yeah and, and, I, and i just have to keep like learning and, and and you know trying to trying to you know create more opportunities for myself and then people around me i would probably pay people to be able to write it's not even like <laughs> I, do. I would probably pay for the, for the privilege of being able to write books to be honest yeah yeah yeah. Wow. Wow. And also, I mean, um, there, there is still a lot of fear associated with uh, being in the creative space. Also, I think it's because um, we we have, you know, there's very limited knowledge, you know, like like Mohawu um, has just brought brought in a, a very different um, dimension. I, I, you know, not not most parents know that you know there are other avenues within their creative space and also uh, the way writing has always been um uh, uh positioned in movies you know people have money they go to tuscany they eat oh, grapes and, there's a netflix movie you know, right now where a writer buys a castle and i was like what are you writing what are you guys writing that is bringing so and these are people who write like two books in 50 years and they're bathing in olive oil and it's all so romantic no one is starving and you just want to be that person and <laughs> real life says no you have to find a job that is going to make it possible for you to write at some point during the week. And yeah, but you say, you know, it's not an all or nothing thing. You know, we just take our joys and happiness wherever we can. Now, I don't know if I hope you have your, your copy of the Haunted Library. I just wanted you to read a page or two. Okay, so I, I, I wish you'd warn me in advance, but um, I, I will read, I think, from um, from a couple of pages uh, to give a, to give a sense. It's uh, after the, the kids decide they're going to sneak out okay. and go to, uh, to this haunted library to go and investigate. Um, and it's uh, as they're walking on. So <clears throat> they walked in silence to the site. The new library was being built on an empty plot of land next to the field where some of the boys would play soccer after school. So Bandela knew the way well. They walked quickly. It was so early that the streets were empty apart from the taxis picking up a few people who had to work on the weekends. They turned into Albertina Street and immediately saw the construction site. The unfinished library sat at the end of the road. It had a roof, but the gray bricks of the structure were naked without any paint and the outside brick wall had yet to be built. 
Instead, a tall metal fence snaked around the plot with a big lock and chain on the front gate. Garber walked up to the gate and gave it a testing shake. It didn't move. It didn't even wiggle. What are you doing, Garber? Bandila asked. Trying to get in. We made it all the way here. We should at least have a look inside. Maybe through a window, she added quickly, seeing Super's face scrunch up at this new suggestion. Garabo, seriously, there's no way to get in. We should go home, Super said, as she watched Garabo examine the fence more closely. You give up too easily, sis, Garabo said, starting to walk away. Super stayed where she was as Garabo walked further along the fence towards the right-hand side of the construction site. At least one of us should go with her, Bendiles told Sipe as Garabo disappeared around the corner towards the back of the building. Sipe folded her arms, but she nodded once. Zuko, stay, boy, Bendiles told the dog before he took off to catch up with Garabo. Sipe couldn't keep her legs still. Her eyes filled with tears, but she looked up and blinked them away, just like Goko had told her. Now was not the time for crying. She tapped her foot on the concrete of the pavement and Zuko looked up at her with big eyes. Don't look at me like that, Zuko, Sipe told the dog softly. It's not my fault my sister can't stay out of trouble. Why do I always get dragged into her wild ideas, huh? Goku is going to kill us if we aren't home in time for breakfast and she told us not to. Sipe's words were cut off when she heard Bandila scream from somewhere inside the construction site. Fire, fire. Thank you, thank you so, so much. And this is this is the construction site that they were looking into. Beautiful, beautiful graphic um, right there. Yeah, I, my favorite is actually this uh, writing on oh, the, um, the pig. <laughs> yeah. Why you have to buy the book to find out? Yes, please, please buy, get copies for everyone. I enjoyed this book so so much, and I am definitely getting it for all my nieces and nephews, which is a lot. My my mother has ten grandkids, so uh, going going for this one. Um, this we have reached the end of this conversation. Is there anything, any last words? for the lovely children out there and their parents and guardians as well? Um, you know, I think all I would say is that reading and buying books and things are not things that should just be something at Christmas time. Um, it should be something, you know, for the whole year. Um, children's books, especially, I know that there are some other adult books, non-fictions, whatever, which are quite expensive <laughs> at, uh, at certain bookstores. But children's books, I think our publishers really work so hard to make them um, moderately affordable for people. Support libraries, you know, after you've read the book, please give it to some libraries so that other kids get the chance to read it. Um, and continue to support the industry, right? Because it's not, the money is not just going to myself and Mukhawe, it is going to the publicists, the editors, the uh, copy people, you know, there is a whole value chain of people that you're supporting with that. And it allows us to be able to write more books, which is the most important thing. Um, and we would love to tell more stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically what, uh, what Gunther said, um, I feel like I'm about to repeat. But also, <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure what to say like regarding this, because like I have more questions than things to say. For instance, um, um, when you told me that 
that your son was kind of like, you know, like finished the book in, in, in a week or two. Um, I was just kind of like wondering, because I, I, I just kind of like got into this industry of, 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 of creating books. And so I, I have like more questions than, than anything. I, I feel like, uh, um, like, for instance, how do you get like your kids to, to like read so much, you know? Because cause I, I remember like myself as a kid, I did not read. I liked watching things and uh, like the only type of books that I liked were picture books. Even to this day, I like picture books. Like I, I obviously like taken like most of my, 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 my information from um, um, like certain types of, 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 of videos. Yeah. Um, but then I, 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 I feel like obviously like reading is, is really important. And, and, and I wonder how you kind of like, start that whole thing from like a young age do you like read to them or do you like give them books like how do you know what a kid likes to read like like i, I don't know i i what do you do like how, how do you do that so one graphic novels are completely a legitimate thing and there should be more graphic novels <laughs> written in because i think people yeah, yeah. do love reading stories with pictures let's be honest but two how about we uh write another book i'll just quickly write another book you can quickly illustrate yeah. it and when you come back we'll have another conversation <laughs> a couple of weeks and you can okay. ask them. <laughs> yeah yeah um, um how to to answer your question so i i I have spent half of my life um, reading. Um, I've I've always been the child who read. Um, my my grandmother um, bought us books, and because my mother was a nurse, you know, nurses they work seven to seven, which means she's away from home, fourteen, fifteen hours, you know, of of the day. So we spent a lot of time with my with my granny and um, Lens. And after all the chores and the and the fraying of the stoop, then you know you can't really go out in the streets to play. So we we read and and that's where my love of of reading began and I have spent um, the last twenty years reading. So that's the job. How the job the job is is reading. Um, it doesn't pay, but it just pays in happiness and it feels <laughs> it fuels my spirit. Now getting getting um, longer to read um, was um, it was. Lockdown. So Langa started grade uh, R and then lockdown happened. And before then, I've always read to him and he naturally gravitated to books. Um, but lockdown forced me to teach him how to read. I remember someone was interviewing me and asking me, how did you, who taught you to read as a child? And I would love to think I was born a reader, but someone, somebody taught me, right? And I only realized when I had to be the teacher because Langa was five and online, which was crazy, crazy, crazy. And we had to start A-A-E-O-U. And I was there and I'm like, oh my God, A-A-E-O-U, this child is five. Can't write, can't write. The pencil grip, how do you hold a pencil? I don't know. I nearly went insane. But because he's always been surrounded by books, um he took to reading and it's i it's not just talent you know we we also have a a routine um if you wake up early reach for a book man just read for a book you know you know no one is gonna call you at seven no one no one even if you're 15 there's no one calling you at seven you know no one is looking for you at seven reach for a book and we have a very flexible timetable you know and he's at at an age where he says 
Mama, I need downtime and reaches for a book. So my, I don't have silver and gold, but I got books. The boy just reaches for books and yeah. makes me happy, man. Makes me happy. <laughs> I have so many more questions myself now because I'm like, what? You taught a five-year-old to read during lunch? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, um, my first week of school, because the lockdown happened uh, beginning of March. So first week of school around um, the second, third week in Jan, this child moves from crash to this big school. Yes, the school is small, but for longer it's huge. You know, you come from crash, there is five, six of you in class. Suddenly there is like 18, 19. You have to know the names and the uniform. I nearly went insane. And then lockdown happened. And I was like, I'm going to start drinking whiskey in these coffee mugs because <laughs> how am I expected? How? But we, we did it. And obviously, um, the school was a huge, huge support. And it, it took a lot from, from everyone in the family. But it is, it's doable. It's, it's, it's doable. And I am, a, I'm, I'm very proud that, you know, we spend our Saturday mornings after breakfast, um, reading and then do whatever you want to to do come back and yeah and he has this thing about bedtime story and sometimes i am exhausted i don't want to do it and I'm like bongani it's your turn bongani said i did it yesterday to not do it the whole month you do it the whole month and he can't sleep without a bedtime story that's amazing that's lovely no? thank you really? i'm so proud yeah. of it actually i'm so proud of myself <laughs> yeah i'm proud yes. of you too <laughs> Oh, guys, thank you so, so much. Here is the book. It looks like wrapping paper. It's all shiny. I love, I love shiny books, especially for grubby little hands. You can just take a fadook and, and just wipe it off and it is as good as new. But guys, books are not centerpieces. Now let the children use them. I let Langa write in them, man. I mean, that's how you develop a relationship with books. It's your book, you know. If, if you have a stake in a book, you will read it. You will take care of it. Thank you, guys. Thank you so, so much.